welcome to the Willow in the Windies with David Oram. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Cricket, lovely cricket, at last where I saw it. Yardley tried his best, God had won the test. They gave the crowd plenty fun, the second test and West Indies won. With those little pals of mine Hello and welcome to The Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean cricket podcast with me, David Oram. I'll be looking at the major cricket news stories in the region, which this week include the 2020 matches, which mark the conclusion of West Indies' tour of Sri Lanka, the announcement of West Indies' test squad for the tour of Australia, the recent scores and performances in the regional four-day competition, the continuing reaction to the CARICOM review panel's report into Caribbean cricket governance and the WICB, the success of the Sachin Tendulkar Shane Warne matches in the USA, and the potential for growth of the game in the USA, the news that BCCI has announced that it hasn't resolved the issue of the claim for $42 million from the WICB, or that India's tour of the West Indies in 2016 has been confirmed, and the promotion of female umpires into first-class cricket in the region. With me as usual to discuss these and other hot topics in the tropics is Joseph Reds Pereira. Greetings, Reds. How are you? Well, I'm fairly um, lack of sleep, so to speak, because <laughs> I've been up watching New Zealand and Australia. Uh, no need to have gone to South Africa and India because that was washed out. But it was good to see um, good batting uh, by Williamson and Taylor. And uh, it's nice to see that New, New Zealand did stand up to the Australian attack on somewhat of a slow per track, if you judge by what the commentators were saying. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's been exemplary batting to watch. I confess I prefer watching games with uh, smaller scores than uh, one guy gets 250, another guy gets 240 not out. But, but hey... Um, the, the, the quality of Warner in particular and Williamson, um, which is not to put down Taylor and Quadra's efforts, but Warner and Williamson in particular have just been superb in this series so far. Yes, and I think that uh, in the case of Williamson, I think himself and A.B. De Villas must be, you know, mm. number one, number two in, 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 in the world, not necessarily in, in that order. Yeah. Well, I'd I, I be honest, um, Joe Root's gone in and out of number one in the last year. To, to me, he's not not in the top five. But good to see that Taylor really uh, played a quality not also and went on uh, to, to, to really score a big one. I mean, he was a class player a couple um, seasons ago, but he's had no luck with his health. Mm. Uh, but he seemed to be uh, really back on a very, very good form. Yeah, that would be interesting. To, one would expect a draw, but it's not impossible that uh, New Zealand could, uh, if they you know, nudge ahead, even even by a little, and put the Frighteners take a few early wickets against Australia, they could yet turn this one around or turn the series around. Well, we've seen things like that happen before, so let's let, let, let's wait un, until we chat again. Yes, yes, we we, we will do that. Uh, moving on to our pet theme, the West Indies and Caribbean cricket. Um, Reasons for jubilation, Reds. A West Indies win this week. Yes, um, there was great debate on some of the talk shows whether we should be celebrating or not, <laughs> or whether you know we, we we are so unaccustomed of winning it really meant nothing. But uh, it kept us at number three in the in in in, in the i twenty. 
T20 ladder, which mm. probably is, is important. Yeah. And uh, I mean, a win is a win. It, it was a disappointing tour, um, but enough has been said about that uh, to, for us to, to, to um, you know, get into another debate. Yeah. No, I, I, I think enough, as you say, has been said about the. Uh, what again was another poor, disappointing tour. But there, there weren't little things that came out of it. Um, I, I I was very disappointed with the bowling. I think a couple of bowlers have gone backwards. I know you've long had worries about Roach. I, I thought Jerome Taylor was particularly poor in this uh, on this tour, Reds. Yes, I think that um, although the, the the overall bowling didn't do all that badly, uh, maybe the batting was. Uh, the worst aspect um, mm. of, of our game. One thing I like to say about the T20 selection, um, Battery got sick in Trinidad. Yeah. I don't know why they kept Bisu, because I had my doubts whether they would have played him. And instead of Bisu coming back and getting two rungs of the four-day competition, no yeah. one going, and get some real four-day practice for uh, the Australian tour, uh, they kept Bisu. I think that was a very, very... Poor mistake. Yeah, no, short-termism of the most silly sort. Um, gets him over us under his belt uh, in proper crickets and proper spells ahead of going out to Australia for the for the Test matches. And talking about Australia for the Test matches, I was a little surprised that we are still carrying the same team. <laughs> I didn't expect um, wholesale changes, um, but certainly... Um, both Roach and Gabriel, I didn't expect both to be going. I would have liked to have seen a younger fast bowler, example, Miguel Cummins, who wants to run in and bowl, overlooked by the Clyde Butts selection committee, kept waiting um, and not included. So we have both Roach and Gabriel going after a very average uh, tour of, of, of Sri Lanka. But I'll say this. Uh, just looking at the first-class season this year, mm. depending on how the middle order goes in Australia, I will think that um, Brooks and Chase, uh, the two Barbadian middle order batsmen, yeah. they might be asking um, Blackwood and Hope a few questions. Because uh, Chase, I saw, got 100 against the Windwards in St. Vincent. <clears throat> he looked a very good player, balls decent off-spin. Mm. Uh, Brooks has really turned his career around after a promising start, promising start, and of course, given the captaincy of Barbados mm. at one time, he seemed to be an improved player. And I think Brooks and Chase are two players for the future, and maybe asking Blackwood and, and Hope uh, a question or two about, you know, um, can you hold your place? Yeah, yeah. Um, would you expect to see Chandrika given another chance? He didn't play in any of the, the games in uh, Sri Lanka, but he scored a big 100 in the first round of the four-day tournament last weekend. And, um, yeah, would you expect him to, to potentially play in the first test in Australia? Well, we did expect him to play at least one in Sri Lanka. I, I would think that coming back and doing the right thing, of getting um, a big 100, um, I think will probably put him in good stead in, in probably starting. Uh, they've been experimenting with Hope, but uh, most of uh, the cricket writers uh, feel that Hope is better in the middle order. If you pick Chandrika, well, um, given an opportunity. He gets runs or he fails, at least you, 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 you would know. And talking about um, the four-day game, um, 
from reports out of Barbados listening, listening to the commentary, mm. the road seemed to be struggling with rhythm. Right. And um, I think that Coach Lee Ambrose will have to do a lot of work in the camp um, with the fast bowling attack, um, which comes prior uh, to the first practice game in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were talking a few moments ago about Miguel Cummings. I was a big fan of Miguel Cummings. I was, uh, I was there at uh, Kensington Oval two, three seasons back when he basically won the four-day final for uh, Barbados with, I think it was 11 wickets in the match against uh, Trinidad and Tobago, and he bowled superbly, absolutely. But he went backwards for a couple of seasons, but he's been in the wickets in the uh, first round of the four-day competition. Uh, we would explain that uh, we, uh, it's literally at the middle of the... We've played two days of the current round, the second round of four-day games, and those are... Evenly balanced in in most cases, apart from the Leeward Islands game, um, Barbados won the first their first game last weekend, as did Trinidad and Tobago and the reigning champions uh, Guyana, and um, yeah, Cummins come has started well. Yeah, well, just back to Cummins. I mean, when he really performed well on the Indian A tour, uh, he should have been sent to replace Roach when Roach broke down in India. The Clyde Bus Committee didn't do that, and sometimes in life. When a man misses an opportunity, he sometimes misses out. That was his opportunity. Australia could have been another opportunity. He probably is wondering whether he'll ever wear the maroon colours. And about the first-class season, well, good start already by Barbados, Guyana, and Trinidad and Tobago. But it's a long season. Yeah. And um, players will become unavailable. Players might get injured. Um, you just have to see, basically how it's going to pan out um, sometime um, in 2016. Yeah. Well, a couple of points you've made there. I mean, one, it is a long season now, and for the better. Uh, it's only last year that the length of the first-class season in in the Caribbean was doubled to get more proper cricket played by young players. And that, in a period when we've had uh, the West Indies Cricket Board massively maligned by this recent report, which we, we may touch upon in, in a moment, that's one thing that they really have got right in trying to extend the, the, the quality of first class or the amount, the quantity of first class cricket. We can debate whether the quality's improved or not. Um, that, was, that was very much a move in the right direction, wasn't it, Reds? Yes, definitely. Um to give a longer first-class season, and uh, because it's now um, all paid players, um, you know, it should uh, hmm. be moving in the right direction. I think everyone is waiting to see maybe higher scores and, and, and higher quality of cricket. Um, maybe it's just uh, too early to judge. This is only the second season. I would like to see more players moving cross-border, so to speak. Yeah. I would think that the Leewards, for example, could have used a couple of players um, in, in in their squad. It's very evident if you look at the, at the Leewards that that's one good example of not taking the opportunity uh, to attract talent from the other countries of the region. Yeah, well, I, I remember last year their their coach Ridley Jacobs. It was roundly criticised for not uh, taking advantage of getting more players from other territories. Um, his argument was, but it's still their responsibility in those islands to look after their own, um, which perhaps has some validity. Um, it's been made that you have to take or have to take players uh, this season. But my, my question to you, Reds, is with the Leewards being so weak. 
and with them reluctant to embrace players from, from other islands, uh, is there, unfortunately, a, an argument perhaps to uh, reinstitute the combined islands and put them back with the Wimwoods as they were many years ago? No, I think that would be a step backward because we will then explain, ex- uh, we will then expose, um, as we did then, um, a smaller number of players. Mm-hmm. What the Leewards need to do at the Nevis and Kitts and Willa, Montserrat and Tiga um, level is to improve the standard of that administration and cricket in the various islands and then um, have some serious competition among the islands. Easier said than done because I'm sure that there is a, a major financial burden facing the leeward board. But you need to have better cricket in the respective islands so that the players can improve. And by playing at the leeward level, you then have a better chance of picking a, a stronger leeward side. But I just want to make the point, only Bonner um, is in the Leeward lineup, and I would think the Leeward lineup could have used at least two other players. Yeah. Have them in your squad so you can build a squad, and the born Leeward players will improve because other player, players were there making a contribution and making it a stronger team. Yeah, oh, fair enough. <laughs> That's why I asked the question. Um, I said just a moment ago you'd come up with uh, two very good points. I didn't actually touch upon the second one, but I want to go back to it. Uh, talking about the availability of players for the regions. And I understand there's been uh, a news story this morning in the in the Caribbean about um, uh, some of the Trinidad and Tobago players that were going off to the, Bar- uh, to the Bangladesh Premier League. Well, I did hear on Voice of Barbados this morning, although I didn't read it in the Trinidad press, uh, that uh, Riyad Emirate, uh, Evan Lewis and Kevin Cooper... Uh, three players who are going to Bangladesh um, to play in their 2020, the Trinidad and Tobago board um, will, in fact, um, not honor their contracts Mm. for a certain period. I do not know exactly, um, uh, maybe just after this uh, run of matches against Barbados, it will begin, um, when they will, in fact, um, uh, replace the contract to the players um, maybe uh, sometime in, 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 in the first quarter of 2016. We just have to wait and see, and uh, we look forward to a statement um, from the Trinidad Tobago Cricket Board on it. But the three players mm. um, will not be um, on contract for a, a certain period. That's very interesting. And it's something you and I have talked about before, that our disappointment that uh, players should leave their own domestic competition to go and play in somebody else's domestic competition and that there should be perhaps something addressed on that. Well, clearly they're addressing it. Ironically, Kevin Cooper probably wouldn't get in the Trinidad and Tobago uh, four-day side. Yeah, that's true. Um, a great debate among Caribbean people, some people saying other countries it wouldn't happen, mm. people wouldn't leave their domestic cricket to go and, and play in someone else's competition. Uh, other people feel, well, it's, it's their, uh, their call, they have a, a short um, career as players, and this is the time um, for them to make their money. Well, we can't have cake and bake. If you want to improve uh, the West Indies uh, first-class season, you really need all your players playing um, for their respective territories. 
No, absolutely, people. There, there is restraint of trade, law, trade laws. Uh, having said that, if you were employed as a plumber by by a, your company, um, you would not then be. You wouldn't have a leg to stand on if you went off and did plumbing for some other company when you could have been doing a job for your own. Um, that would be something for dismissal and wouldn't stand up in court. And in fairness to the board, I don't think that you've had too many cases where they have not given commission. Um, I think the, the board, both the West Indies board and the individual uh, boards have been uh, quite helpful to, to their players by saying, OK, you can go if you want to. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's an interesting move. We'll have to monitor it and other things. Um, there is, as we both know, um, a feeling of uh, a time... A time is needed for a sea change in Caribbean cricket. We've had this report come out from the CARICOM review panel. Um, very forceful report. I, I did a programme just the other day with Andrew Ford, which I had quite a few reservations about. It. They've called for the dissolution of the West Indies Cricket Board. There's been more reactions this week from some intellectual heavyweights, including uh, uh, Rudy Webster, who felt that uh, Dave Cameron should do an FW de Klerk and uh, fall on his sword for the the, the good, the greater good. But uh, Professor Hilary Beckles this week has urged um, uh, not dissolution, but, but reform, and everybody working together to move the West Indies cricket board forward. Well, there have been um, work by PJ Patterson about re- reform. Um, it, it wasn't implemented. Um, you have Charles Wilkins, uh, mm. the former um, Leeward's first-class player, noted lawyer, uh, Cambridge Blue, um, prevent, providing a paper on reform, not taken. I don't know if Sir Hilary Beckles' suggestion about reform um, is going to, um, you know, get much traction. Mm. But, you know, just for one moment, um, David, let's imagine that the board did decide to dissolve. Yeah. Um, the interim committee will then be put in place. Uh, I don't know by what means. Um, they have to be selected uh, name because of their individual talent. What's the actual funding of that interim well, board? I mean, where would the money come from? Yeah. Um, it would not come from the West Indies board. They are really hard done right now with funds. They can't proceed with the eight tours that they would like because they don't have the money. Um, they're getting less money from the ICC now. Let's state only $80 million expected yeah. against the huge amounts that India and Australia will collect. Um, and, uh, you know, who will run cricket in the various um, member states? Yeah. There are so many questions to be asked. The CARICOM governments, David, cannot afford to finance an interim board no. because the, the, the downturn of the Caribbean economy is, is well known and governments have enough problems in financing their, their, their own development mm. plans. So there's so many questions uh, that needs to be answered and we, we first of all have to wait to see, David, what will be the Western News Board reaction. Yeah. They're meeting in December. Um, Prime Minister... Mitchell wanted them to meet earlier. I have seen nothing which uh, indicates that they will be calling an earlier meeting. So we just have to wait and see until we get a response from the West Indies Board to see what direction it's, it, it may go to. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I went read through the report the other day and uh, that was one of the things that really struck me was about the, the funding. And uh, 
for fear of boring any listeners, I'll go over again what uh, a little piece of it. Uh, the CARICOM, who've brought in the review panel, then want to bring in a nominations council, which would then uh, appoint a change management expert, which would then look to hire a team of consultants, which would then hire a headhunting firm to bring about the interim board and then further the new board. And what they actually said was that they would look to financing from the Caribbean Development Bank. I'm, I'm afraid to say in these times of recession, world recession, and it it is hitting hard in the Caribbean, I know, I cannot believe that is the best use of public money. And all that, as you were talking, just kept adding up to mm. a substantial amount of money mm. um, before you, you saw you know anything really happening on the field of play. Yeah. But uh, a lot happening on the field of play, David. I uh, see that Sachin Tendulkar is extremely <laughs> happy um, with the crowds uh, in, in the USA. My question is, um, and I watched some of it, um, good crowds, 14,000, 15,000 people, mm. uh, made up mainly of people from the Commonwealth, is what happens now that Warren and Sachin and company have departed um, what happens now with um, taking advantage of all of that? Mm. Is there a strong USA Cricket Association that can now follow up and build on, on, on the interests and the goodwill? Millions watch it on television, I'm sure in the USA, but we've had so many USA cricket boards that haven't lasted the course. The ICC has had to go in many, many times. And I think that, to me, is the key. Can we have a strong USA Cricket Association that can follow up on whatever was achieved by the Warren um, Sachin Tendulkar um, traveling party, um, you know, in, 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 in the months to come? Yeah, very, very good question. And um, of all the uh, test sides and international sides, uh, the West Indies is most directly affected by things that happen in the USA. There is that overlap. But, I mean, perhaps all those good questions you've just put, Reds, is something uh, I should put to our good friend John Aaron, who's uh, been supporting uh, the Willow in the Windies uh, podcast that you and I have been, been doing. Perhaps I should invite him on to, to put those very things to him sometime soon. Well, I think if you do the research, you'll probably find that the West Indies board missed an opportunity to really gain a foothold in um, Florida, where there's a a good cricket ground in South Florida. Mm. We have allowed New Zealand and Sri Lanka uh, to horn in, so to speak, on on our territory. Although the ICC um, initially was looking to the West Indies board to see if we can help cricket in North America. Yeah. I think that uh, we need to see how we can uh, regain uh, that ground. Um, whether the, the board has got any interest in that, I, I, I do not know. But mm. New Zealand and Sri Lanka seem to have gained some footing. Yeah. No, no. Um, as I say, perhaps that's uh, issues uh, that to be followed with somebody in, uh, in America who can uh, tell us a bit more what's uh, occurring on the ground there. Um, one issue that... Uh, we thought was resolved, Reds, that we've uh, learnt this week from, from India, from statements from the BCCI, is that they haven't uh, organised and written off the £42 million the West Indies Cricket Board had said, I think through Michael Muirhead recently, had been resolved. Yes, that, that came out 
out. It was a very short statement, not a great deal of, of detail. They are to decide whether they will come to the West Indies. Uh, the president uh, was confident they'll come for four test matches. And uh, the $42 million is uh, still question marks, question mark. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we don't know in which direction, David, uh, that is, is, is going to go. But it's a new board, and um, they will have no doubt to make a decision sometime. But um, it's going to be a packed 2016, <laughs> because to get, to get four test matches in, um, it'll have to come after the CPL in July. And, um, you know, it'll be very, very interesting to see uh, how, how we can organize India in the West Indies at, at that time. Well, it's it's something that, uh, that, that the fixture program that I know is very close to the heart of uh, uh, another colleague of mine who I used to know quite well in Barbados uh, called Terry Bent, who's uh, like me, uh, a Brit who lives in, lives in Barbados and very passionate about his Barbados cricket. He actually has his own dedicated uh, blog. Uh, about the Barbados Tridents. And he's been trying for some time, looking at those future fixtures, to, to look and see where on earth is the CPL going to fit in? Is it going to actually be on at the same time as uh, the potential India against West Indies test matches? Well, <laughs> question, question, question. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's worrying, uh, to say the least. And just talking about the um, franchise... You know, the franchise are separate to their national boards. For example, uh, the BCA have no real control over the Tridents, so to speak. Um, all of the um, various franchises are really on their own and should be uh, creating their own funding, mm. should be creating their own funding. So they become a financial um, success story eventually. I haven't seen where any one of the uh, any one of the franchises have been sponsored by anyone, mm. uh, unless I, I I've missed it. Um, I think th this is a, a development. I think each one has got a f uh, someone heading um, a special committee looking for funding for the franchise. And until you see that develop further, um, you know, the, the, the financial uh, position regarding the, the various franchise will be kind of a touch-and-go situation. Yeah, and it is, it is still of concern that it's those potentially were the crown jewels of Caribbean cricket and, and sold away by the WICB. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And, um, you know, we, we will live to see whether it, 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 it went in the right direction. It, we will live to see whether... Sign away the CPL for such a long time uh, was a wise move. Mm. Uh, what seemed to be a wise move was the enc encouraging of female umpires. Yes. Because um, we see that uh, Miss um, Williams from mm. Jamaica will stand in a four-day game at Sabina Park. And congratulations to her. Yes, uh, wonderful news. And I know they've been also organising quite a few programmes of education for umpires of both sexes, but being much more inclusive uh, with, uh, with, with the women and encouraging them um, into the first-class arena. Yes, I did an interview with um, Jacqueline Williams when she was here for the Pakistan-West Indies um, ODI among the women. And she was saying there were four or five others who... Um, attended the seminar that she attended 
So the future looks bright um, for women standing um, in our competitions. Who knows, we might see uh, some in St. Kitts uh, for the uh, Nagico 50 over in Barbados for the Nagico or maybe in Trinidad when the tournament is played. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, a, another question for the future. Uh, it seems this, this week, Reds, that uh, we've almost been like the old Johnny Nash song. Uh, there was more questions than answers. Yes, well, I hope that uh, we were able to raise the, the questions and I hope our answers have been helpful. Uh, this is the time for me to say um, hello to all our friends in, in Grenada, all our friends in St. Lucia, all our friends in the Leewoods area. And in the, the north of the Caribbean, in St. Croix, in the Bivai, etc. And um, in the USA, we are, in fact, uh, on the USA website. And I'm sure we have a lot of friends in Canada. So slowly but surely, we're probably being heard by a few people, David. No, thank, thank you for saying all of that, Red. It only remains uh, for me to thank you for, for joining me on this, uh, the Willow in the Windies, the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. I hope you can join Reds and myself again sometime soon. Goodbye.